Uh, Before we get into the word this morning, I I would ask that you join me in praying uh, for for our friends and family in uh, Florida, Uh, not just our friends and family, but all those who live in Florida and the Caribbean and uh, who have been affected by uh, Hurricane Irma already and then uh, whichever one is coming right after that through the Caribbean, just uh, if you could join me in faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cry out to you this morning, knowing that you hear us not by the volume of our voice or the intensity of our words, but you hear us because we are your sons and daughters. So we ask you this morning, Daddy, that you would draw close to those who are in the storm's eye, God, we ask that you would comfort those and provide security and peace, miraculous provision for those who have already been affected and those who are having to piece their lives together and have lost much, if not all, of their possessions, but God, even lost loved ones through these storms. God, we ask that you would you would quell the storm, that you would bring it down in impact and that you would supernaturally move on this storm. God, we recognize that even the wind and the waves obey you. Nothing outpaces or, or can, can overcome your sovereignty. And so God, we ask that you would, you would do a miracle. And stop this hurricane. But God, if, it, if it's your will, if it continues to go through Florida, I ask that your, your, your mercy would be shown. That your church would rise up and be a light in the dark. That it would provide for the needs of those who have. And God, that you would ultimately be glorified through even this most perplexing and ugly of situations. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. One of the um one of the great privileges of being part of a, a family of churches. Grace Covenant Church is a part of Every Nation Ministries. And one of the great privileges is that we got family all all over the all over the world. And so when we think about it, it changes the way you think about pretty much everything. When you're part of a family that's beyond your own family. Right? That's why I love this congregation because I consider you all to be family. And when, I, and when, when anything happens in our society, I, I, I hear it and I see it differently than maybe other uh, middle-class white 30-something guys. Because I've got a lot of family members who aren't white middle-class people. I've got a lot of family members who are African-American and Hispanic. I've got family members who are Asian. I have family members who, who don't speak the same language as me, who don't come from the same background as me. So everything that, that occurs in our culture, in our society, affects me a little bit differently because of, because of who you are. And you all make me very much who I am. And I consider it a great privilege to be a part of what makes you, you. And um, as we consider like the storms in the, in the Caribbean, I mean, I, we've, got, we've got missionary friends in the Dominican Republic. We've got a church there. We have family members, biological family members in Puerto Rico. Shanique's talking about her family in the Bahamas. I've been crying out for the Bahamas since the beginning of last week. When I, I emailed Shanique, I said, what's it, what's it look like? What's it looking like? Talk to me. How's your family? How's, you know, and then you know, checking back in later. How's it looking? How's our family? Right? Because I pray for her family like I pray for my family. 
And so that's, that's part of what it means to be a part of a spiritual family. And so, so you can't really go through anything anymore the same way because the, the, um, the privilege of not knowing and the privilege of ignorance is kind of stripped away because you're affected by things in a lot more ways and a lot more broadly. Oh, thank you. See, family looks out for each other. And you just, yes. Thank you. It was on. It's all good. Thank you for doing that. We look out for each other. You don't walk, you don't let some, I was afraid it was my fly, to be honest with you. She stood up and I was like, oh, there's no subtle way to check this. That's when it's not good to have a skinny podium. I was like, this is, well, family, speaking of family. Right? I was like, here we go. Let's just be real, right? Oh, don't worry. We're going to be real. Today, you're going to hear about a conversation Megan and I had earlier this week. <laughs> There's some knowing O's. Don't worry. It's kid appropriate. Or I'll keep it kid appropriate. All right. So uh, we're going to continue on our series on the word today by looking at Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And I want to try something new uh, today. Not new in terms of church history Uh, but new to Grace Covenant Church, I want to ask you to please stand with me to read this passage in reverence to the word. Um, You know, I I was at a church recently where everybody stood up to read the word and they read it together. We won't do that yet. That's like advanced. That's like two, it's like graduate level. So we're just going to practice standing first. All right, we'll ease into the more liturgical things. But um you know, as, as I've been considering it, so I saw it last Sunday, but I've been thinking about it all week. And I thought, you know, the more the word of God gets torn down and ignored, the, I think the more intentional we need to be to make sure that we revere the word and that we don't treat it like everything else. And it's, it's just too easy to treat the word like any other book, right? Like C.S. Lewis said, and the Bible says, and you're like, ah, oh, no, that's two very different levels of authority that are coming at us. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the ESV. You're welcome to read from whatever version you want, but you might have to translate in your head. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would awaken our hearts to the reality of your kingdom and what it is that you're doing. You would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear what it is that you have in store for us, what you want for us, and what you want from us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Will I have to say you may be seated, or will you just get it? Out of curiosity. We're establishing culture. We need to create some, some rules. Maybe vote via text. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I love this passage of scripture. In fact, we preached it uh, just last October, this passage. And we were talking about how much we need the grace of God in order to be the people that God has called us to be. And today, I'm, we're going to take a different uh, approach to it. And we're going to look at a different application of it or look at it from just a slightly different perspective. Uh, the word of God has one intended meaning. It, it was written for a very specific purpose, but it has lots of different application. 
And so what we can do is we can read it and go, oh, it also applies in this way. It also applies in this way. And today we're going to look at it from the perspective of the importance of God's word in our transformation. Uh, There is a transformation that must occur in us in order for us to become who it is that God has intended us to be. It's a transformation that exceeds and eludes our ability as natural people to be able to accomplish. Because the transformation that needs to occur is a supernatural occurrence. One that we can't create by our own effort. One that we can't fake by our own effort. Though we might try for a period of time. We must be transformed. The word that we're using for, the, for transformed in the Greek is actually the word that we get metamorphosis from. And so there's a complete changing over and a complete rewiring and recreation that needs to happen in us in order to become who it is that God wants us to be. He didn't just die so that we could be a, a better version of ourselves. Right? Jesus didn't come and he's like, hey, I'm going to die this miserable death on a cross and raise from the dead so you can be a little bit better. He did it so that we could be completely new and completely transformed. And that transformation is is accomplished as the Spirit of God moves on us, breaks us all the way down, and brings us into uh, this new life that he intends for us to have. And, And the rest of our life, we get to figure out how to walk it out and go, oh, wait, that's not becoming of who I am now. Right? Like when I was that, it was all right. But now that I'm this, a new creation... That's not so cool, right? So as a single man, I was able to behave and do certain things. Now I was a Christian single man, so I behaved certain ways that, you know, I wasn't going to the club. I wasn't acting foolish. I wasn't, I wasn't living it up, but, but, but I, was, I could just do whatever I wanted. I could just go hang with my friends, right? If it was late, I'd just go hang. If I wanted to go to bed, I just went to bed. If I wanted to leave the dishes out, I left the dishes out. If I wanted to leave my drawers hanging from the door, I did. Why were they on the door? Because, don't judge me. <laughs> Thank you. Right? So, so, you know, I was living life the way I was going to live life, but I didn't have to. But when I got married, that was not okay any longer. I tried to keep it okay. But I couldn't keep living. I couldn't just go out on my own just because I decided I wanted to go out. Hey, I want to, I want to just go do this thing. I want to just go spend this money. I want to just go do this. That's not becoming of me as a married man. As a married man, it was like, okay... Uh, cool, I want to do this, I better check with my wife. Not because she's a ball and chain, but because I want to honor and respect her and, and cherish her opinion and her values and so that I don't move separate from her, but we move together because two became one in marriage, right? So it's not a ball and chain kind of situation. It's not, well, anyway, we're not, we're not talking about that today. It's, it's so much better than that. Come on, somebody. Get married, stay married. We need, we'll talk about that later too today. Um, so there's, this, there's some things that we need to do in order to agree with the transformation that God intends for us to have. The first thing that we need to do is we need to reject the world's way and approach to pretty much everything. The world has a prescribed means for how we do everything, how we relate to one another, how we do business, how we do life, how we, how we process world events, how we process even our own emotions. The world wants to tell us and, and uh, inform us how to do that. Media echoes this. The news echoes this. And everybody wants to tell you what to think and how to think about it. And there's a really, really strong 
culture, a really strong current in the culture that, that we swim along with until we give our life to Christ. Or some of us have tried to swim against it for a minute and then we got tired and we just ran out of energy. So we just decided to swim with it again because we didn't see the change. And so we swim along with the current of our culture, thinking how it tells us to, thinking how it tells us to think, acting like it tells us to act, prioritizing what it tells us to prioritize, ending up with results that don't seem to match the desire that has been placed in our heart by God himself. So we're sit here, we sit here swimming along. So God has called us to reject the current. But we can't just reject the current because if we just reject the current and stop swimming along with the current, we'll be carried by the current. So this idea of neutrality and just stop swimming with the current and is somehow this neutral position is a safe position isn't true because you'll still be swept along the current. What God is calling us to is to turn against the current and to swim up against it. And the good news is that he empowers us to be able to do this. In order to do it, we must receive from God. So we need to reject the world's systems and we need to receive from God what his system is. There are two primary ways that that we can receive from God. We receive through his word. We receive through the word because in the written word, what we have is the written expression of the heart and the mind and the will of God for us today. We don't have to wonder, I wonder what God's thinking about. It's right here for us. And what's beautiful is not only does he provide his word, but he also provides his Holy Spirit to point us back to the word and to bring the word to life for us so that this doesn't have to remain a mystery, but we can begin to understand and discern what's happening in it. So we have his word and we have his Holy Spirit. And then, and then tertiary to that, we have one another. And that's why we have small groups that we meet in throughout the week and we have hangouts so we can see each other and fellowship and spend time together. Because when we're with each other, we benefit not just from one another's presence, but by the indwelling Holy Spirit in the other person that stirs up the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. And then we start going back and forth and we stir one another's faith. Faith, Paul says to, to Timothy, he's like, I long to see you that I might impart some spiritual gift to you that you and I may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Because when we're together, our faith gets churned up. Our, our, our individual faith begins to, to more than multiply. It begins this exponential thing. And revelation builds on revelation. And relationship builds on relationship. And it builds up. And God all of a sudden grows in his, in his largeness and in his glory and in his, in his beauty to, to all of us. You with me? You tracking? So we must choose to receive from God. That's a decision that we have to make because it is going to require sacrifice and it's going to require intentionality to intentionally receive from God instead of passively just taking in everything else that comes in. In order to receive from God, it requires a raising of the antenna antenna of sorts where you're like, okay, God, I'm going to, I want to receive from you. So I need to tune myself to your channel so that I can hear the things that you're saying. But if we just stick up our channel any old way and we're, we listen for spiritual things, we could end up with all sorts of kind of weird stuff. 
right? Oh, God's telling me this. You know, I, I as a college pastor, uh, I, I, um, I shared this at the Life in the Spirit class recently. As a college pastor, when, when the students received the power of the Holy Spirit and they started experiencing spiritual gifts, you know, you, you start hearing things like, God told me that I'm, you know, who my husband is. It's like, man, that, that is awesome. Who? Well, he's Muslim right now. I'm like, oh, that's real different than anything I've ever heard God say that you're going to marry a Muslim as a Christian woman, right? Things happen later, but I don't know that that was, I don't know that that's the best starting point. I'm not sure that that's the faith that God would inspire in you right now in this, in this season of your life, because it's, it's contrary to God's desire for marriage, right? Megan, um, Megan shared with me at one point that she had, after we had been married, she's like, a few of my friends had confided in me that they had a word that they were going to marry you. And, um, several friends, right? So more than one confided in her that they had a word from God that they were going to be married to her. And and she's like, and I didn't have a word. What? (laughs) Well, clearly I missed something, but I chose right, right? Amen, somebody. Um, But we need to put up our antenna and we need to focus our antenna because we could pick up all sorts of weird things, right? You can pick up all sorts of strange things that aren't necessarily affirmed and confirmed by by this. And luckily God's given us this to be able to test anything that we hear as as we raise our antenna and listen to the things that God is saying. So we need to receive from God and then we need, we need to be renewed. Now I'm using the word renewed for the sake of alliteration, but really it's that word transformed. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, Psychology Today, earlier this year, says, was writing about this really fascinating thing about how our mind is, is being, is, can be rewired. It says, for over a decade, neuroscientists have been trying to figure out how neurogenesis, which is the birth of new neurons, and neuroplasticity, that's the malleability of neural circuits. So like the plasticity means like the, the flexibility of the, the circuits in our brains. The connection in our brain can change uh, even, you know, as we're growing. As new neurons are created, they, they can form new connections and creating a, a new circuit. It works together to reshape how we think, remember, and behave. Fascinating, huh? It sounds to me like it's affirming what we hear in Romans 12, that it's possible to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because these neurons that they didn't know about when they wrote this, that Jesus knew about when he inspired it. So God inspired Paul to write this to the Romans. Paul knew nothing of neurons or brain cells or neurocactivity or plasticity of neuroplasticity, right? He didn't know anything about any of that. He just knew that God said that our minds need to be made new. And as our mind is made new, we'll be transformed into something altogether different than we were. It's pretty exciting. So check this out. This guy, Moshe Shiv, S-Z-Y-F. You figure it out, right? I don't know. I can't even say his name, much less any of the things that he does. But he studies the brain also. And he talks about how our genetics are modified even in our early life experience. So our genes aren't even set. But they're affected at conception and they're affected in early life and they're, they're affected as we go, which to me just points to the need to be born again. And the fact that our DNA, our genes can be trained, they can be changed. Wow. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. And so I'm butchering all of that scientifically. 
Yeah, uh, Schiff. Um, gave a TED talk earlier this year and talks about, about his, about how they, they did his thing. I heard it in the, in the car. Um, it was really awesome. Um, but to me, it just, it just points to this idea that God is looking for us to be transformed. And he even built into our genetics, even built into our physical bodies, the potential to be reformed, to be renewed, to be made different. I'm just saying that's pretty awesome of our God to set it up that way. But here's the thing. We have to agree with it. Because if he's wired us to be made new, if he's been wired us to be changed and to be able to remap, that means whatever it is that we're looking, looking at the most is going to be the thing that maps us the most. Whatever it is that we look to the most is going to be the thing that forms us the most. It forces us to think the way that we're going to think, and it, and it rewires our brains. That sounded like really, it rewires our brains. <laughs> kind of mad scientist, Right? That's why we don't do stuff. I didn't used to record it and put it online. So our brains actually rewire themselves around the activities that we do over and over and over again. So what happens if we watch Sports Center over and over and over again? We get programmed for sound bites in minutes and moments, and we don't know how to function without the stimulation. You know, uh, there's this book called The Tipping Point. I think it's Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about... Um, uh, he talks about how like Sesame Street and Blue's Clues was designed to basically keep a child's attention. And Sesame Street used to be a certain amount of time, but they, sh- they found out that they had to shorten the time. And if they change scenes every couple, every so many seconds, it captures the attention of kids. No wonder kids are bored if they don't have it in front of them because they're used to everything changing every 30 seconds. Every 30 seconds, the reality in front of them changes. And then you put them, in, you put them outside and it's like, well, nothing's changed. Well, go break the stick. Go change it. <laughs> That'll preach right there. Nothing's changing. Go change it. Uh-oh. That's not what we're talking about today either. That's another, that's another day. But we're actually programming our minds. We're making a new whatever it is that we're consuming. So what happens if the thing that our affection is on... Is Game of Thrones. What is that going to birth in us? What happens if the thing that we're setting our heart's affection on is, you know, Jay-Z lyrics? What happens if the thing that we're setting our, our heart's affection on or, or, or what is it that we're putting our attention on? What, it, what is it going to produce if, if we're focusing on money? Money, 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 money. The things that we give ourselves to are either going to renew our mind or it's going to ruin our mind. And again, we have a choice about what we're going to put ourselves in front of. Jesus, this, this is affirmed in Romans 8.6. Uh, Paul says also, he says, For to set the mind on the things of the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is peace. Another translation says, is life. So we set our mind on the things of the flesh and it produces death. It ruins our mind. It ruins the thing that God has created to be transformed. But if we set it on the spirit, it is life. So what does it mean to set our mind on the spirit? Is it to think happy thoughts? To think about good things on, on Facebook, it, you know, it'll prompt you. It'll say, Hey, it's so-and-so's birthday. Send them happy thoughts. And I'm like, uh, like cotton candy, uh, puppies, 
Like, I don't know. What do you want me to tell them? Or happy thought? Like, what are happy thoughts? Like, new flowers. <laughs> right? But, but without the power of God, the best we have is happy thoughts. Wow. I want to send something more substantive than happy thoughts. Pastor Donnell Jones talks about how what we give our attention to, our affection follows. And what we give our affection to, our agape follows. Attention becomes affection. Affection becomes agape, which is love. And so we need to be careful of those things that we set our attention to and we set our focus on. Because the thing that we're focusing on will eventually come to love. When God is our priority, when his word becomes our priority, there's a rewiring of our mind that begins to align with God's plan and purpose for us. And I I just want to, I want to, earlier this week, just to illustrate this, uh, I'm going to illustrate from my own personal devotion time what this can look like, just so it doesn't stay mysterious, right? Like what does a pastor do in in his quiet time? Um, I wish I had taken a picture of my, my Bible page and put it up there. Maybe I could, could I text it to the sound team like while we're here? Or maybe you could just come take here, come take a picture of my page. Brian, come take a picture of my page and then, and then we'll put it up. Um, maybe we'll see how fast our internet is. Um, but um, so I was standing in the kitchen with Megan and uh, I was just standing there. She, we were eating. No, we weren't eating. Was it during the fast or was it before the fast? Either way, we were in the kitchen. I was happy. We were definitely eating. Um, so we're sitting here and we're talking, but I was kind of quiet. And she's like, hey, what are you thinking about? And I was like, I'm thinking about not committing adultery. And she goes, oh, is there anything I need to know? <laughs> I didn't realize. Well, at least I didn't say I'm thinking about committing adultery, right? Like it, like it was in the right direction. And so that kind of makes you begin to, like, she's like, so what were you, what were you, why, or were you thinking about not committing adultery? What, what's happening? And I was like, oh, just for my quiet time. That's <laughs> like, what kind of quiet time are you having that that's the thought you walk away with? Now, the thought that I was having was much bigger than not committing adultery. It's just, I hadn't thought about adultery much. But adultery actually shows up in the Bible quite a bit. Um, let's see if I got it here. Um, I don't. I wrote it. I wrote it. Well, anyway. The, um, the adultery shows up. Uh, one, one resource said more times than just about everything in the Bible except for idolatry and murder. And self-righteousness. So basically pride, idolatry, and, and murder. And then you've, and then you've got adultery. And it's like the word adulteress and adulterer and everything else. It ends up being well over 60-something times. And, it, and it's pretty startling. And I realized, and I've never talked about adultery on Sunday morning. I don't, I've never talked about it with Megan. So let's go ahead and have this conversation on a Sunday. Uh, adultery is mentioned in the Ten Commandments and ten other books of the Bible. Um, I think that one of the reasons it's, it's listed that high is because adultery is, is a murder of sorts, right? Because adultery murders a marriage. And when a marriage is murdered, the kind of the fabric of society begins to tear apart. 
It actually starts just before that with who is a man and who is a woman. And then you bring a man and a woman together in marriage. And, and if uh, adultery occurs and it, and it tears that apart, it shears that apart, it begins to shear apart the community. Because it was supposed to be built on family. And so, what, so anyway, so I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I, I was in my quiet time and I was just kind of reading through, through Proverbs and I was reading Proverbs too and I was reading, I was reading, I was reading. And you know, you know sometimes you, you ever just kind of check out while you're reading the Bible? I never do, so that was a test. <laughs> just kidding. I do it, I do it. Like, so I'll be reading the Bible and you're like, what did I read? Like I'm, some, some people that haven't checked out because we haven't read it long enough to check out. <laughs> like the verse of the day, right? You're like, you're like, nailed it, verse of the day. Uh, if, if you've read more than a chapter at a time, you, you've experienced this where you check out a little bit. So I was reading Proverbs 2, and, and I, I was just, I was going through it, and I got to verse 16, and it says, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. And for some reason, I, I, that, the word adulteress kind of woke me up, and I was like, oh, so you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, and the word foreign, forbidden there means strange, or it could be also translated to strange. And the word adulterous can also be translated as foreign. And basically the idea, and then it goes on about not giving your strength to, to other women in, 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 other, in other areas. But, you know, I was sitting here and I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. But it, but it started with this, so you will be. And since I woke up at that verse, I was like, so I will be. That means there's something going on ahead of here that's going to be really helpful for me. So I started rereading and I started going up. And I started seeing a lot of uh, connective words. In verse 9, it said, then you will understand. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so right behind me. So like I started drawing in it. So I wrote, uh, so here we go. Verse 16 caught my attention and I started drawing arrows up. And and I'm trying to figure out where it goes. And so I was like, oh, maybe I should reset and go up to the top of chapter 2. It says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your ear to understanding, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you will seek it like silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find God. Then you will understand righteous. You see my arrows jumping down to verse 9? Then you will understand. And then, and then you keep going down. Discretion is going to guard over you. If you, you know, and you're going to be protected. You're going to be delivered from the way of evil. And then you get down to 16. And it says, and you, you'll, so you will be delivered from the foreign woman. But what was interesting to me is that I'm going to be delivered from the foreign woman, not right there in that moment, but much earlier when I begin to set my attention and my affection on the word of God. You with it? So like, so, so let's make this about any struggle. Let's not just make it about adultery, but do not commit adultery. I, 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 last night I was, I was trying to research about adultery in, in, in a safe way. And, but I saw the Atlantic's going to be releasing an article in, in, in 20, in next month about adultery. Kind of normalizing it and being like, no one's safe from it. Everybody's going to cheat on everybody. No, that's not, that's not the promise of God. The promise of God, whoops, it's gone. No, the promise of God is not gone. The promise of God is here forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. The slide was off the screen is all I was trying to say. <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast. <laughs> Promises of God are forever. The, <laughs> the cross and the resurrection affirm that. They seal that for us. The Holy Spirit seals that in us. Okay, 
preach a little bit if we wanted to. (laughs) If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. So whatever that thing is, that temptation that wants to draw you away, instead of focusing on running away from that thing, we need to make a decision much earlier to choose to receive the word and to treasure the command of God. Right? It's not about just, it's not about no, don't, bad, stop it. Don't think about other women. No. Bad. Shame on you. Long before that. It's not even about starving your eyes. There's a really good principle. Let me just help everybody. There's a really good principle called starving your eyes that you can apply to anything. Right? It's that it's like one of the things that you can do to avoid being deeply tempted is to starve your eyes from the thing you're tempted by. So if you're used to tracking people, you know what I'm talking about, right? Thought so. No. Liars, if you don't know what I'm talking about. So if you're looking for eyes and you're looking for everything, what you got to do is you got to starve your eyes from the thing that it is that you, that you want. Right? It's kind of like for, for long, I had to starve myself as nachos. It's been a few weeks since we talked about nachos. I had an unhealthy love affair with nachos. I went back to it a couple times a day sometimes just for some affirmation, some comfort. But I had to starve myself of the nachos in order to, to create distance between me and it. And then all of a sudden, I didn't desire it as much the same way. My appetite changed. We need to starve our eyes. So, so starving your eyes. So let's just talk about in terms of internet things and specifically adultery. Or, or like if, you, if your heart is, is turning towards someone that it shouldn't. Or you're imagining a life that isn't yours. And you're imagining somebody a life with someone else. Or if you're doing that with your mind or with your body or anything else. Right? You've got to starve your eyes or starve your heart or starve your, your time and your energy and your attention and your affection from that thing. By refocusing it on the word of God. You with me? So starving your eyes means that if, if it's a struggle to watch, you know, if, if it's a struggle to watch even benign things on TV, shut it off. Better to shut it off and miss out on a couple of episodes of a show or miss out on the rest of a series because, because you're, you're starving your eyes for the glory of God and for your own health and so your mind can be made new and not made ruined. Right? There's some shows I can't watch that other people can watch because I just, I can't watch somebody running around in real tight clothes. It's just not good for me. And there are some other temptations that, that, we, that you're, God is going to draw some lines in your heart and in your mind. And you'll be like, I just can't go there. I just can't watch that. I just can't listen to that. I just can't be in that place. So Megan asked me what was on my mind. And, and I, I said, not committing adultery. And really what I was thinking about is that freedom from any kind of sin, be it sexual or emotional, be it physical, be it financial, be it, be it relational, starts far before abstinence. It starts with this decision to be, to allow the word to be the one that's going to wire us. What a miracle, huh? That God not only 
created in us the capacity and the potential to be rewired, but he created also the means by which he wanted to rewire us. What a remarkable gift, huh? That he didn't just point to something and then leave us to ourselves, but he gives us his word to do that work. I chose to highlight adultery because as we give ourselves the word to the word and allow the word to be inscribed on our hearts, the word is going to lead us to things that we wouldn't have considered on our own. And it'll give us the things that we need. So like if I just Google, uh, what's the Bible say about friendship? Or I just Google the things that are on my heart, I won't ever experience the full counsel of God. And so it's important to read through all of the Bible and to, and to, read, through as, to read through it on purpose and, and to work your way through Scripture so that God can talk to you about the things that are on his heart because you, sometimes you need to know more what's on his heart than what's on your heart, right? Otherwise, I'd be talking to God all the time about how to get a kid to go to sleep, right? But instead, God chose in Proverbs 2 to talk to me about adultery, but I better listen to it. I better yield to it. I better allow it to affect me and not just read past it and be like, well, I haven't committed adultery and I don't really feel like it. Right? If it was important enough for God to, to, to record for us and preserve through the years, if it's been important enough uh, for him to, to state for us, it's probably important enough for me to reflect on it, even if I don't necessarily feel like it at the time. And then what ends up happening is you end up getting all sorts of life. Right? So now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm all encouraged. I'm like, okay, so, so whatever struggle points are in my life, it's not about the struggle point. It's about before that I need to choose to, to treasure the commands of God over here so that I can be free over there. Just going toe to toe with my, with my struggle isn't going to be satisfy what it is that God has for me. And God talks about all sorts of things in his word. He deals with our human condition. He deals with all the things in your life that you don't even know really need dealing with until you start reading it. And sometimes it'll surprise you. So for me, it had less to do with the forbidden woman and the adulteress. But, but check this out. This is where I landed. You ready? As I continued considering this, kind of milling over it and just praying, praying to God and being like, okay, so you know, for those of us who don't want to cheat on our wives, what, what can I learn here? And he's like, to not being drawn away by the strange woman and the foreign woman with her smooth words. And then I started reflecting on that. And those words, those words started ministering to me about how easy it is to be drawn away from a love and an affection for God. I started realizing how easy it is and how tempting it is to be drawn away from God and by the smoothness of the words of suburban life the comfort of, uh, you know, self-actualization. Remaking ourselves, living the comfortable life, making another dollar, being, being at peace, getting our kids into that program or into that sport or to the next level. How easy it is for the strange or the foreign thing to, to draw our affection and our attention away from him. 
how easy it is for us to be wooed away because of the, the kind of the sensual nature of, of the things that entice us, right? It's, just, it's always smooth. Like we, don't, we don't sin because it doesn't make sense to us. We sin because in that moment, it makes complete sense to us. That's why, that's why we sin. We largely do what makes sense to us all the time. That's why we have arguments. Because what makes sense to me doesn't make sense to you. One of us has got to move. We got to change. Something's got to change here. It's a promise, not just a command. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The promise, we we were commanded, but the promise is that he'll bring it to pass and he'll see it through and he'll make sure that it's permanent. I I was encouraged by that this week. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. Oh God, what, what marvels you accomplished when you thought of us. What incredible things you did when you inspired your word through Paul's pen. God, that he spoke about realities that would still baffle our scientific minds almost 2,000 years later. But what a beautiful affirmation and confirmation of how you built us and what you desire for us. I ask that you would today turn our hearts affection and devotion back to you. We used to sing a song that you've won my attention, you've captured my heart. And God, I ask that that you would make that our testimony. That we would give our attention to you. And that our affection would follow. And that our love would be close behind. 